Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Dr. David Jeremiah. Dr. David Jeremiah is a great friend of the ministry. The mission of his broadcast ministry, Turning Point, is to deliver the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. Through his daily program, Dr. David Jeremiah's expository teaching is helping millions of people grow in their knowledge of God's Word. You can watch Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah weekdays at 9 a.m. Mountain Time on Miracle Channel. Let's dive into the message. In the book of Matthew, in response to a question that the Lord Jesus was asked, what is the great commandment? Jesus said, well, the great commandment is this. The great commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two things Jesus said in response to that question. The thing we have been talking about is in that passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your mind. What does that mean, to love the Lord your God with all of your mind? To this day, we call ourselves homo sapiens, which means thinking beings. This is not simply a scientific classification. It is a spiritual classification. We were made in God's image, and one of the most precious and noble dynamics of being in the image of God is that we have the ability to think. It's what separates us from the other creatures that God created. He gave us the ability, as in the image of God, to think. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, uh, the writer uh, speaking the words of the Lord says, Come now and let us reason together, as if we can reason with God, and indeed we can. God gave us a mind, and he tells us in his word that we are to love our God with all of our mind. That is an intentional statement about the importance and priority of Christian thinking. C.S. Lewis reminds us that God is no fonder of intellectual slackers than of any other kind of slackers. He said, if you're thinking of becoming a Christian, I warn you. You are embarking on something which is going to take the whole of you, brains and all. And he was right. So I want to explore with you today this question, how can I love my God with all of my mind? How do I do that? And I want to suggest four things to you. First of all, we, we love our God with all of our minds when we feed on his word. This book, we are told, is God's word. That's what we call it. This is the Word of God. God has given to us a message straight from Him to us. Now, there are many places we could turn to bear this testimony, but the best place, I think, of all the places is Psalm 119. Now, I need to tell you that Psalm 119, I've kind of tucked away in the back of my mind that if I am ever um, told that I am going to be executed, and I have the privilege of choosing a passage to be read before they do it. I'm choosing Psalm 119 as my passage. 
It's got 176 verses. It's the longest, it's the longest chapter in the Bible and the longest psalm in the Bible, right? So just mark that down. Don't choose Jesus wept or it'll be over in a hurry, all right? <laughs> choose Psalm 119. Now let me tell you about this psalm. Psalm 119 is a beautiful Hebrew poem. It's an acrostic poem. Look down in your Bibles. In most of your Bibles, you will see that before the first eight verses, there's a little Hebrew letter, and then next to it is the word Aleph. That's the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Go down eight verses, and you'll find the next letter, Baith, which is the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Psalm 119 has 22 paragraphs. All of them have eight verses, and each paragraph begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And if you could see this in Hebrew, every verse of the eight verses begins with the same letter of the Hebrew alphabet that it's at the top of the paragraph. This is a psalm that David put together to express his incredible love for the Word of God. And here's what David wrote. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. And now here's a student's wonderful statement. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 paragraphs in Psalm 119. Each paragraph starts with the next letter, a beautiful poem discussing the Bible and expressing how much David the psalmist loved God's Word. Now, if you read this psalm, you will discover that in almost every single verse of all 176 verses, there is a synonym for the Word of God. There are at least eight of them the law, the testimonies, thy ways, thy precepts, thy statutes, thy commandments, thy judgments, thy ordinances, all of them synonyms for the word. <laughs> but recently I was reading this psalm and I noticed how many action verbs there are in Psalm 119. In other words, verbs that tell us how we're to get this psalm into our system, how we're to respond when we read it. What are we supposed to do with it? And I wrote them all down. I'm not going to ask you to follow me. I'll just read them to you. From Psalm 119, here are the action words that we find that give us something of an idea of how we're to approach the Scripture. Here's what the psalmist says. When it comes to the Word of God, you should walk in it, keep it, seek it, look into it, learn it, take heed to it, hide it in your heart, rejoice in it, meditate on it, contemplate it, don't forget it, strengthen yourself according to it, get the understanding of it, incline your heart to it, be revived in it, remember it, be taught from it, consider it, direct your steps according to it, and get understanding from it. That's what the Bible says you can do from the Bible and from the psalm. David says this is what you do. You go to the Word of God and you feed on it. You let it become what, what drives you and keeps you going every day. And all of these verbs tell us how to do that because it's in those moments when you are under pressure that the Word of God comes to mean so much to you. I remember... When I came through cancer, I came out of that experience in love with the book of Psalms and wrote a, wrote a book called uh, The Bend in the Road based all on the Psalms that God gave me when I was going through that time. So let me just give you a little hint. Don't wait until you need it before you go for it. 
get it, get it soaked up into your life so that when the moment comes, you'll be prepared. So let me just say this. We, we learn to love the Lord our God with all of our mind when we feed on God's Word. I've said this before. Generally speaking, our relationship to God runs along the same line as our relationship to His Word. If we say we love God, ultimately somewhere in the process, we will learn to love His book. Amen? You can't read this book like another book. You have to read it like a love letter from God. And when you do that, you begin to love God with all of your mind. Number two, you love God with all of your mind when you find God's wisdom. This is an intriguing thought to me. Proverbs 3.13 says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Proverbs 8.11 says, For wisdom is better than rubies, and all things one may desire cannot be compared to wisdom. Proverbs 16, 16 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding to be chosen rather than silver. Solomon describes wisdom this way. He says, Length of days is in her right hand. In her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. Wisdom, says Solomon, is something we look for and we find it. Now, let's ask this question. What's the difference between knowledge, knowing what the Bible says, and wisdom? Here's the best illustration I can think of. If you have a computer, your computer has a hard drive. Into that hard drive, all kinds of information is loaded and stored. Uh, everything you can imagine gets into that. Any, anything you put into that hard drive is there. Then you get a software package, and that software package helps you figure out how to manage what's on your hard drive. It uses the information, but it directs it in a different way and applies it to particular situations. You know, I have an iPad, and I'm telling you, there's, what is there, like 8,000 applications you can use with that iPad. I mean, I don't know if that's right, but it seems like that many. And what that is is taking information that, that is then applied in a certain way to a certain situation. This book is full of information. If all you have is the information, you're not going to be able to function. What you need is wisdom. What is wisdom? Somebody said wisdom is knowledge using its head. <laughs> wisdom is doing the right thing without a precedent. Wisdom is the ability to take the Word of God and apply it to the situations in life that you face. And how many of you know if we ever have needed wisdom, we need it today, amen? I mean, every day we're faced with things we have never been faced with before. What is wisdom? It's doing the right thing without a precedent. Some things in life we can figure out because we've been there and done it before, but today it seems like more than ever I can remember in my life, every day I face things I've never faced before, and I have to ask God for wisdom, the ability to apply what the Word of God says, what I know about the Word of God, to that particular situation. James said to all of us in James 1, 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. Here's what our prayer should be. Lord God, help me to understand what your word means in the situations I'm facing. Give me wisdom to know what to do. Okay? Here's the third thing. We feed on God's word. We find God's wisdom. And thirdly, we follow God's will. How do I love the Lord God with all of my mind? I follow his will. I do what he tells me to do. Now, Romans 12, 2 puts it this way. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now watch this, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Did you know that God's will is perfect? His general will for all of us is perfect, and his individual will for you is perfect. We should always be praying the prayer of the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you want to love the Lord your God with all of your mind, you will learn to pray that prayer. For when we seek for and we follow God's will for our lives, we are loving him with all of our mind and heart and soul. And here's the fascinating part of loving God with all of our minds. God has a different will for each one of us. And he communicates that will to us from the earliest days in our lives. I guess I just really came across this truth that from the moment we are born, and especially if we're in a Christian family, we're in a context of God, God begins to work on us to show us his will for our lives. Back in that passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6, which is a great passage, uh, God gives to the people of Israel a little formula that every Christian educator loves to read. For right after the verse we read earlier about loving the Lord your God with all of your mind, he writes, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. God said to the people of Israel, if you want your children to grow up, knowing that the Lord your God is one God, if you want them to know how to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, it starts at an early age. And it's not just a half hour after dinner, although that is important. The Bible says that that will of God is communicated to your children when you sit down and when you get up, when you lie down, and when you rise up. What is he saying with those, with those uh, metaphors? He's saying that the will of God is communicated by our whole life to our children. It is how we live before them. And it is wonderful for us to have times of devotion with our children and family altar and all of that, and I love that. But I remember reading some years ago, someone said to give people a family altar and then not live for God the rest of the time is like giving them food in one hand and poison in the other. In other words, if we're going to have a family altar, which I encourage you to do, then make sure you understand that's not the end of it all. That's the beginning of it all. That's where it starts. When you do that, you begin then to live that life. And I promise you, your kids will learn more about who you are in Christ during the times you're going through right now, if you're under pressure, than they will ever learn during times of prosperity. They will learn, my mom and dad are under pressure, but they're trusting God. My mom and dad are facing challenges, but they know that God will never leave them nor forsake them. That's where we learn about our faith, and that's where we learn what God has for us to do in the future. Interestingly enough, the book of Deuteronomy, in which all of this truth is recorded, comes after the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, we have the story of the people of God in Egypt. And in Egypt, there were many gods. Remember at the end when Moses was, ch he was challenging all the gods of Egypt? There were many gods, and history records that the gods of Egypt were often in conflict with one another. One God would say, do this, and the other God would say, do this. 
and then another god would contradict the third god, and all of the gods were, were, it was a massive confusion. And so God says to us in Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, this is called the Shema, mean hearing, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God, and the Lord your God who is one God has one will. He's not in conflict with any. How many of you know, if you know the will of God, there isn't anything to contest. It's God's will. And I want you to understand that the will of God for you can be known and that God does have a will for your life. So when you leave here and you go back to work on Monday, you don't walk out of the sphere of where God is in control. Whatever you do, even if it has nothing to do with the church or nothing to do with the Bible, whatever your job is, you should go there and say as you walk in the door, Lord God, you've given me a great gift in this mind that I have. Help me to use my mind to bring glory to your name today. And God is just waiting for willingness on our part to do that. We are loving God with all of our minds when we use our God-given intellect to understand our God-given wisdom and follow the Lord's will for our God-given utilization of gifts every day of our life. That's how we love God. This podcast is just one of Miracle Channel's many outreaches. Every month we put together a special devoted journal that's designed to inspire and uplift you. It's filled with 20 powerful messages pulled from our daily devotional, all centered around a specific topic. Plus, we've left plenty of space for you to jot down your thoughts and takeaways. We've even included scripture declarations at the back of the journal. These declarations are perfect for speaking God's promises over your life and experiencing His goodness. For a donation of any amount, you can get this month's devoted journal sent right to your house. Simply click the link in our show notes to donate. We can't wait for you to level up your walk with God by reading this month's devoted journal. Now, I know what God, God's will for me is. I never have to get up in the morning and say, Lord, what, do you, what is it you want to do with my life? I learned a long time ago what God wanted to do with my life. I get up on Monday, and you know what I think about? I think about next Sunday, the first thing when I get up, because I know Sunday's coming. <laughs> my, my life is totally involved in the Word of God and what God has called me to do. That's God's will for my life. And I'm so excited to know that. I'm not going off on any detours. <laughs> I'm not getting caught up in anything that's going to take me away from that. I'm too old to change. I'm just going to keep doing what God's called me to do, do His will. So we, we love the Lord our God with all of our minds when we feed on his word, when we find his wisdom, when we follow his will, and finally when we fight his war. You say, there's a war? Oh, yes. In 2 Corinthians, there's a war that involves your mind and mine. Here's what it says. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God, for the pulling down of strongholds and for the casting down of arguments and every high thing that exalts against the knowledge of God. What is the Scripture saying? The Scripture is saying is another way to view the Christian life is to see the effort that we are doing as a kind of warfare. And in this warfare, there is a negative and positive aspect to the mission. Everything that exalts itself against God must be thrown down says the Scripture, and every thought must be brought into the captivity of Christ. Paul wants us to know that the greatest battles in the Christian life are fought between our ears in our minds. Isn't that true? And I think what he's saying here when he talks about casting down arguments, 
is kind of a reflection of what we read in 1 Peter 3.15 that says, sanctify the Lord God in your heart and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And the word defense is the word apologia, which means an organized answer to the questions people ask. Now, I want to tell you something. We're living in an age, you and I are, when people are asking questions about Christianity they've never asked before. They're writing books about Christianity that are mean-spirited from the cover to the back. And every one of us, as we walk through life, we need to start equipping ourselves with some answers. Amen? I'll just give you an illustration, one, one simple illustration. You know one of the most onerous things is about Christianity to those who don't know Jesus? It's the fact that the Bible teaches that there's only one way to God. That's politically incorrect. And people just steam when they hear that. You mean you think there's only one way to God? Absolutely. Why do you believe that? Because that's what the Bible says. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now, what part of that don't you understand? <laughs> the Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is, there is just one way. And I know people don't like that. And people ask me about that. I get asked that a lot. And, and I like to tell them, you know what? First thing you need to know, I didn't get to make the rules. <laughs> Amen? God made the rules. Now, I just read them, and I try to obey them. But years ago, we had a guy who used to come here every, every summer named uh, Kenny Poor. And he's one of my favorite people. I've known him for years. And he, and he came one summer, and he gave us this little thought, and I wanted to share it with you. He said, you, you know, people get so upset when they find out that the Bible teaches there's only one way to God. There's only one way to get to heaven. But he said, why should we be surprised about that? He said, did you ever think about the fact that the way you came into the world is the same way everybody else came into the world? There's only one way to become a human. You got to be born. There aren't many ways. There's just one way. Oh, what about the test? There's just one way. To become a human, there's just one way. So if there's just one way for your first birth, why should you be surprised if there's just one way for your second birth? It's kind of the way God does things. The Bible says there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end of that is the way of death. The Bible says there is a narrow road and a wide road, and those who are on the, on the narrow road are the ones who are going to heaven. The wide robe, the Bible says, many that walk on there, but they're, they're headed toward destruction. So, you know, we are so intimidated by the questions that people ask of us as Christians. And maybe we should just stop and maybe read a few books and learn a few things and read the Word of God more and come up with the answers. We don't need to be on the defensive all the time. And somebody say, well, how do you know the Bible is true and why do you believe it? You know what I like to tell them now? I've quit, I just cut past it all. I believe the Bible because I choose to. I choose to believe this book. And I choose to believe it because, I choose to believe it because I have studied all the reasons that people give for not believing it, and my reasons are better than theirs. I believe this book because it's God-breathed, and it changed my life, and I've watched it change the lives of other people. So how do we love God? We love God by feeding on God's Word, by finding His wisdom, by following His way, but we also love God by getting into this intellectual cultural war that's going on and learning how to respond to the questions people have and give an answer that brings glory to the Lord. You cannot love God with all of your mind if there is nothing of God's Word in your mind with which to love Him. <laughs> if it is true that the software package works from the hard drive, 
the problem that, that the Holy Spirit has in many of our lives is we haven't given him anything to work with. Here's how the Holy Spirit works. He takes the word of God that we have learned and heard and studied, and he uses that to direct us and guide us. But if we have none of the word of God in our system, we're giving him nothing with which to work. There's no such thing as loving the Lord your God with all of your mind and putting this on the shelf and never looking at it. This is not a guilt trip. This is an encouragement. You want a better way of life. You want a better sense of peace in your heart. You want better direction in your life. Don't neglect the gift that God has given you. This is a wonderful gift. God is enough, and his word is sufficient. Let's take what we have and make it the best thing we've got and walk through this with our head up high and our shoulders back saying, <laughs> with God on my side and working together with his word, I am sufficient for any challenge that comes my way. And you will be if you will follow God's wisdom. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more messages from encouraging speakers that air on Miracle Channel and Corco. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.